the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rushed out of the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 6th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. You can text us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. I'm Jordan Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Morning. Good morning. How are we doing? We surviving the heat oh out my there? Gosh. My goodness. That's unbelievable. You know what I did yesterday? I stayed inside, and I took me a fat nap yesterday. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't know. I did, too. It was it was nice. I, I'm not a big napper, usually, but I, I was just tired after yesterday. Got in, took me a big old nap, and you know what? It felt pretty good. Hey, there's days where I'm waking up just to get that good nap in in the afternoon. <laughs> that's yeah, That's one of the best parts about working somewhat morning radios. You get back, you're done, what, noon, one, two at the latest, and then uh, catch a little quick cat nap, but then you still get the rest of the day ahead of you, you know? Well, I'm yeah. going to try and do them the next couple of days, especially with what we got going on here Thursday and Friday with our Radiothon coming up, too. That's yeah. Gonna be, that's, I'm going to need those. Those naps are going to be clutch because I'm going to be in here usually a little bit, be- like two hours before when I usually am. So mm-hmm. it's going to be going to be a little shock to the system tomorrow morning. But. They tune into uh, Panhandle Live um, throughout the week. We'll have uh, Rona and we'll have probably Parker and different people on to talk about our WVRC Cares Radiothon um, in partnership with WVU Medicine Children. So uh, keep it on that. If you head over to 92.9 to be XD or 92.9 to be XDC and um, today's 97.5, their websites, you can find all that information over there as well. But, uh, yeah, speaking of a busy weekend, we certainly got a busy football weekend coming up. We got uh, Berkeley Springs football at East West taking on Fairmont on Friday. We'll be having our game of the week, Martin or Musselman and Morgantown uh, from Morgantown High on Saturday and then hitting the road to watch the or call the Shepherd and Edinburgh game on Saturday just outside or just on the banks, really, off the banks of Lake Erie. So uh, speaking of which, we'll get to talking about the game of the week, Panhandle game of the week here in a few minutes when we have uh, Musselman head coach Brian Thomas on right around the 820 break or whatnot. But before we get to that, before we start previewing it a little bit, uh, got some hot midday soccer on the docket today <laughs> yeah we do uh we're trying out something a little bit different this uh th- today folks this is will be u92's u92 what am i talking about wepm and wcst's first uh, live soccer broadcast it's going to be the shepherd uh men's soccer team taking on frostburg now this game was uh, ori- originally scheduled for three o'clock but because of the heat it's been pushed to 550 um or, or around 5 30 depending on when they're able to kick the game off so we'll be tweeting out the link you can't listen to it on the radio you can only listen to it on the web stream uh which will tweet out that link facebook out that link and it should be available through the shepherd athletic website as well um this team's really interesting guys and i'm excited to see them play today uh to be frank you go back to 2016 for the shepherd soccer team they've won just seven games lost 92 and Ooh. drawn eight so it's not been very good however this team built heavily on transfers the start of the year one and one a dominant three to one victory against UDC and a game that got away from them in Bluefield that they lost four to three. They've taken thirty three shots through two games. I mean they're aggressive. I like their style of play uh, with a four three three that kind of changes into a four four two and allows them to press. 
And there's some high-profile transfers on this team. John Eske is coming in from uh, South Carolina where he played SEC soccer. And the four years before that, he was at William & Mary. Uh, you got some other names in uh, Jake House, their starting left center back, is somebody that transferred within the conference from Bloomsburg. And a couple of other names uh, beyond that. One thing we had kept an eye on uh, was panhandle players that were at Alderson Broadus when Alderson Broadus shut down. And Alderson Broadus' number nine, Luke Barger, who played at Musselman High School, has transferred over. So he's a forward that comes off the bench. And interestingly, Ryan Fisher uh, was a member of the Marshall soccer program, didn't play much, but was a member of the Marshall soccer program that won the national championship in 2020. So they've got some more high-end talent, this Coach McDougal, for the first time in a while, and a pretty key test against a Frostburg team that's uh, usually perennial achievers. Mm -hmm. So you get to see what the Shepherd soccer team is made of. Again, I'd encourage everybody, this is uncharted waters for us, uh, to tune in at 5.30 for the kickoff of that game. But uh, if not, we'll be back in tomorrow. Um, probably still sweating and, and break down exactly what happened during the game. Absolutely. Again, that you can find that link over on our Twitter page. We'll have it on Facebook. We'll have it in on our uh, Panhandle News Network uh, website as well. So you'll be able to find that link. And again, uh, around, call it 5 o'clock, start checking for that link, and then uh, we'll have it ready to go for you. Uh, hopefully it's not too hot at five o'clock or I probably feel a little better playing at six. I think all things considered, but hopefully well, the, the sun about goes the down. Sun, obviously, yeah. with the, hmm. Right. So hopefully they can get that figured out. But of course on Friday, uh, we'll be hitting the road to catch the Musselman and Morgantown game. Two undefeated teams coming in to this big time week three matchup. Of course, uh, Musselman beating Handley 44 to 34 to start the season. Then last week beating Loudon Valley 22 to 15. We know for the most part what to expect with Musselman, Eli Fleming, Troy Wollaston in the like but this Morgantown team is certainly coming off one of the I won't say the most shocking wins of last week but definitely one of the more surprising wins of last week uh, beating Bridgeport 22 to 14 after Bridgeport uh, beat whoever they're playing week one like 55 to nothing <laughs> everybody was talking about how good Bridgeport was how big their line was this that and the third and then Morgantown comes out and well beats them pretty good 22 to 14 so uh, we'll get to talking about Musselman with coach Brian Thomas here in a bit uh, but Luke you're you're from Morgantown you know these cats I mean what should we expect from these Morgantown Mohicans on Friday? I'd say from a schematic point, not much has changed from a season ago under Coach Beiser and a lot of the personnel is back. But like you said, every year we go through the song and dance week one. You know, Morgantown and Bridgeport usually have a pretty big win and one of them will like to start to claim, hey, we might have a chance of making it to the island this year. Sometimes it's none of them and sometimes it's one of them and sometimes it's both. And last week we got to see those two programs match up and Morgantown won, I don't want to say in convincing fashion, but a convincing enough to say that, you know, they just beat a perennial powerhouse and they'd like to do the same against Musselman. Still the wing tee. Caleb Nutter is still the best, one of the best fullbacks in the state. Uh, Maddox Bowers has been the quarterback of this team now for three years. And, you know, while it's a, a run heavy offense, he's still a, a, a top 10, I would say, pocket passer in the state that can take shots. And one thing that has changed is they've added a little bit more speed on the outside. They've got Jalen Hill this year and uh, Nick DeProspero, who can play tight end. Jacob Keir, people remember, had a couple of big receptions against Musselman last year. And Bobby Powell, who's getting significant Division One attention as a defensive back. Uh, every year they find out a more creative way to integrate him into the offense. So, you know, Musselman won that game straight up last year. Don't get me wrong, but there were some lucky breaks in that game. Uh, Logan Shelton had a kickoff return for a touchdown. I mean, Morgantown got one too. Keir had a touchdown where the defensive back fell down, but, you know, they're going to certainly have to earn it if Musselman wants to win again at Pony Lewis. And I talked about that atmosphere yesterday. I mean, 
they're really ramping it up this season with a lot of these upperclassmen and Nutter and Powell and and uh, uh, Bowers, excuse me, and um, trying to get the most out of this team. And Morgantown thinks they're a top six team in AAA, and Musselman probably does too. And uh, it'll be another scintillating matchup between the two. Well, the final score of that last matchup was 35-30, Musselman with the win. But the total yardage is what I think is uh, pretty surprising. Morgantown had 440 yards of total off of total yardage that game. And Musselman only 352. So they almost get uh, out yarded by 100. But again, that was at home. It was at the apple cart, if you will. So now uh, they're heading to Morgantown. So does it make that much of a difference, you think, coming from playing Morgantown at home to having to go to Morgantown and play them there? Yeah, I think so. Especially because Musselman... That was a fantastic win, and on EPAC Media Day, we got to talk to some of those guys about it. Shelton had the return. Uh, Miller, who had a couple of big receptions in that game, and they were still excited about what was a, a marquee win for Coach Brian Thomas against the number two team in the state, but they moved on. Mm-hmm. You know, they Then they had their epic rematch against Wheeling Park. Morgantown, on the other hand, uh, that's a game that really got away from them. Uh, and, you know, it, they're a pretty proud fan base to have driven two and a half hours and watch a game slip away from their fingers like that. So they've spent more time dwelling on this game in the offseason than Musselman has, in my opinion. And again, Pony Lewis, a very tough place to play. This team has aspirations. I mean, if they beat Musselman this week, it's going to be hard to not vote for them higher than mm-hmm. Cabell Midland Hurricane, potentially Huntington, although that, that might just be me. I mean, if they win this week, you're looking at the number three team in the state, and Morgantown knows that. I'm not saying Musselman doesn't. Um, Morgantown certainly knows that, but Musselman has you know, a, a new-look team. Sanders is getting significantly more workload in this offense than we thought coming into the season, and Eli Fleming is a tough guy to prepare for, especially since it's a completely different offense than mm-hmm. Musselman ran a season ago. And the last thing I'll say about this matchup really quickly is this might be two top five offensive lines in the state going at it as well. Musselman's got tremendous size and experience coming back. Morgantown's got some huge athletes. You know that that program's always going to have bodies. I mean, when you've got two good quarterbacks that you want to see make plays and change the game in Fleming and Bowers, when they have time to do so, that's exactly what they're going to do, which creates an, uh, an extra ingredient for an already tasty matchup. And for this matchup, too, for Musselman's sake, the ability to win this game, if they're able to start three, you know, first of all, I think it makes him in that conversation a top five team in the state. And second of all, if you look and Musselman wins that matchup, that sets them up really good for what is going to be an absolute gauntlet from the middle of September to the middle of October. I feel like if Musselman wants a real shot to host a playoff game this year, I think they need to win this game. And if you look at it, Spring Mills is going to be a tough out. We saw how the, how competitive they were against Jefferson. How was Musselman going to handle a Cardinals team that might have their back up against the wall, depending on things go with South this week for Spring Mills. Martinsburg looks like world beaters at this point. Cabell Midlands look really impressive, and they got to go all the way over to the Huntington area to take on Cabell Midland. Hedgesville, deep in October, might be fighting for a playoff spot. And then you've got a rematch with Jefferson when that was a one-point game last year. So – I'm hesitant to always say games are must win for teams, but if we're looking at a scenario where Musselman once again for the second consecutive year wants to host a playoff game in Inwood, I think it's a must win for that. Well, we'll have it for you right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network, uh, live on the road from Morgantown. And we'll be talking with Musselman head coach Brian Thomas after the break. So text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll be back on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. 
You can text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. And joining us on the line is 2-0 Muscleman head football coach Brian Thomas. Sir, good morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good morning. Doing all right. And uh, congratulations on the 2-0 start, of course. John Handley getting that first uh, week one win, 44-34. And then a hard-fought 22-15 win over Loudoun Valley uh, last week. So uh, coming up with a big matchup this weekend. Uh, looking back at the tape from Loudoun Valley, what uh, what are you seeing from your team? Are you happy with how they performed last week? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, you know, you, as a coach, you want to get the win. That's, that's kind of the most important thing. But at the same time, you know, you you, you want to you, you kind of seek perfection. I don't think you're ever going to reach perfection. You know, it's it's kind of it, it's hard to be perfect with everything you do. But you know, there, there's still you know you look at it and, and there's things we have to clean up. Which you know, I'm not really disappointed with. That's just the, the nature of the game. Uh, things you got to work on. So you know, looking back on the film, I'm happy we won. But at the same point, we know that there's things that we got to clean up. Um, and you know, through two games, we still haven't put a perfect game together yet. Well, Coach, uh, do you feel a little bit emboldened by the fact that your team has won two games in kind of two different ways? A shootout week one, you put up 44 points, uh, and, and you get to highlight those those skill position players on the outside. And then last week, a little bit more of a defensive slugfest. You only score 22 but only give up 15. Um, I mean, do you feel, like I said, emboldened that, that your team has now kind of showed they can win games different ways? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exciting. Um, and I, I told them um, this week, I said, imagine when we put both of those units together and we're firing on offense and then playing like def- on defense the way that we played last week. We put both of those things together. Uh, we're going to be pretty dangerous. But, you know, when I was a young coach, I learned that one side of the ball's going to struggle here and there a little bit in, in those games when you have those shootouts and your defense is struggling a little bit, then your offense has to be able to to keep you in those games and to score points, and then vice versa. Uh, when you have those defensive battles and your offense is struggling a little bit, then your defense has to come and get stopped. So really it's just kind of the two units complementing each other. Um, you know, and, and credit to our kids for being, being able to, to stay tough, to, uh, to battle in both different scenarios and just find ways to win. Uh, and coach, an update on your backfield. Then I know Dalton's still a little banged up, so you get another productive start from Sanders. Gets into the end zone again, and then Miller and Shelton behind him have both gotten carries this season. All three are sophomores, so I know you're excited about that going forward. But is that what we should expect for the the, the majority of carries coming up this weekend against Morgantown? Yeah, Blake. Uh, Blake's our number one back uh, right now um, on the depth chart. Uh, you know, he he's kind of emerged through camp. He's been solid all through camp, and and. You know, he's. We knew he was going to get a lot of carries, but this year, um, you know, we knew he was going to play this year. But just, you know, he's really kind of emerged here at the start of the season as that number one back. So he's going to be our starter uh, going forward. Um, and Colton Shelton's going to get some carries too. Um, he's in, he, he's in our backfield. Dalton, um, you know, Dalton's a really good playmaker for us, and he's been a really good. Uh, you know, he he's been a multi-year starter for us. And you know, last Friday night against Loudon Valley, he didn't come off the field defensively. He played every single defensive snap for us um and he's also playing some receiver spots a little bit too but you know having the you know coming into the year and having the running back he's kind of a little bit of a a multi-positional guy that we really can move around and gives us that depth um and gives us that senior leadership too so we still have a lot of faith in dalton and what he brings to the table as well coach it feels like two years ago 
it was you all would be more of the hunters than the hunted in this matchup with Morgantown rather last year. Now it feels maybe the reverse of the role. Maybe you all are the hunted in this go-round, upsetting Morgantown last year when they were a top-three team in the state. And I'm sure the people over that way feel some type of way, maybe <laughs> want to get a match of revenge against you all for what happened last year. Is that is that the type of feeling from you guys' camp, or what? what's the mood coming into this big-time matchup? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. You, you, you stumped me on that one, so good, good job. Uh I, I, I would. I, my feeling is, if you ask a bunch of people around the state who are just kind of casual football watchers and, and you know are, are familiar with AAA, a lot of people are going to say, "Hey, Morgantown's still the big one of the big dogs." Um, you know, they're still one of the big, biggest schools in the state. Um, you know, Musselman lost Ray, they lost Baden. We don't know if they can hang with those guys. I, I would think probably a lot more people would pick Morgantown than they would pick us. But um, I do, I do agree with your with what you said though. Uh, I, I think Morgantown probably has us circled a little bit on their schedule. I, I heard an interview with their head coach Sean Bizer, who who's a great coach, um, does a great job. But I heard an interview with him in the off season, and he pointed to our game last year and Parkersburg South game last year. And he said we bought, lost both those games by one scores, and we got to find a way to win those games. So I'm sure they've been preaching that to their kids, and I'm sure they're going to be a little bit fired up and trying to get some revenge uh, a little bit from last year. And we're speaking with Musselman head football coach Brian Thomas ahead of their matchup on the road against Morgantown this Friday. And uh, I've been trying to keep an eye on your quarterback, Eli Fleming. Of course, he's 2-0 and coming into his first season uh, as an Appleman, but coming into his first real West Virginia football test in a hostile environment on the road in Morgantown. So how do you think he's transitioned into this uh, West Virginia style of game? And do you think he's prepared uh, mentally going into this Morgantown matchup? Yeah, I think Eli will be fine. You know, the, the the one thing I've said about Eli all along is, you know, he's a senior. And when you get that kid that's 17, 18 years old, uh, there's a big difference between a 17 year and 18-year-old kid compared to a 15, 16-year-old kid, even though it doesn't sound like it's that big of a difference age-wise. Um, as far as maturity, um, there, there's a huge difference when you have a senior. So, you know, Eli's been a, a starter, um, you know, Coming from Maryland, he started at his previous school, even though I don't think uh, they were as big as us. And I don't, you know, he, he kind of said after after that Hanley game, he's like, man, that's one of the biggest crowds I've played in front of. So, you know, I, I think some of that stuff's different. But, you know, once the game starts, the game's the game. Um, and it's still the same between the lines. So, you know, we, we have confidence in him leading our offense and being able to do the things that he can do. Well, Coach, uh, talk a little bit more schematically then about playing a team like Morgantown, big up front. Obviously, with that wing, they like to establish the run, but you have that unique wrinkle of a very good pocket passer with Keel and Powell, good speed on the outside, Shriver, a strong arm, but Nutter is really really strong up the middle, obviously without giving too much away. I mean, what kind of defensive adjustments need to be made when playing a uh, a team like Morgantown with the mix of an old school and a new school offense? Is it more linebackers? Are we going to see you play with fewer defensive backs? Or wh what do those kind of early adjustments look like? I mean, I think the biggest thing is up front. I think up, up front you can't, you know, you can't let them come out and just establish that line of scrimmage and, and just, you know, from the get-go, if, they if they're pushing us back and, and – you know, you're already setting yourself at a disadvantage and giving them yards, you know, especially with a team like you said that likes to 
come out and establish the run. They're a very good uh, running football team. So, you know, I, I think the biggest focus this week is, you know, we have to be physical up front. We can't get pushed around up front. Um, it, it, if we do, it's going to be a really long night for us. So, um, you know, another thing I think is a big key is, is getting to the football. Um, you know, you play a team like this, you play a, a physical team, you know, one, one missed tackle could end up being the difference between the five-yard gain and a 30- or 40-yard gain. So we really got to get to the football and swarm to the ball um, and gang tackle and kind of be on the same page um, as a defensive unit. Well, of course, Coach, with this heat that's going on, too, around the uh, country, really, but especially here in the panhandle, uh, looking at this game against Morgantown and then you get into really the meat and the, the brutal part of your schedule, uh, is there any different conditioning things that go into you know the midweek or midseason part of the year, especially when you got uh, your EPAC schedule coming up and then a tough away game against Cabo Midland in a couple weeks? Yeah, it's it, it's tough. I mean, you know, the a lot of the guidelines that we're under as a state, um, I think I think they're good guidelines, but at the same time, you know, it, it's a little bit different with the technology that we have in today's world. Um, you know, we measure everything on a on a wet bulb um, thermometer. The, the whole state has one of those, so you know, we kind of look at the heat index. Uh, yesterday, we kind of had to cut practice short a little bit, which wasn't great. Uh, today, we have to practice. Uh, we're practicing at seven o'clock. 7 p.m. tonight so uh, it's good yeah it's going to feel a little bit different I mean I think it's supposed to be over 100 a day so you know you got to you got to make those adjustments a little bit but you know at the the same time from a conditioning standpoint I'm not really that worried you know we we do our practices are are pretty up tempo Mm -hmm. and we go pretty quick Uh, we condition every day Uh, we're really deep you know we're playing a lot of kids so from a conditioning standpoint uh, you know, you, you you look at the past two games. Even though we were cramping some of that Hanley game, um, it wasn't because of of fatigue. It was just because you know getting those muscles used a little bit to, to a full game, um, you know, a, a full game time load. So um, I, I'm not really worried about the conditioning part. I, I think we'll be okay. You know, you, we we're a physical team, so we practice. You know, we we have points in the practice where we practice really really hard, and we'll do that all year. And then we have points at the same time where you got to be smart and, and know when to back off and when to give the kids some breaks. So mm-hmm. we try to find that we try to find that balance. Um, at least that's what we do. I don't know how other schools do it, but you got to find that balance between, hey, we're going to be really physical, but at the same time we're trying to take care of your bodies because it's going to be a long year. Well, Coach, I, I also want to ask you this question out of curiosity more than anything because you've coached a lot of football, but also you've taught a lot of math. From what I understand, uh, you, you were teaching in the early hours of the morning here on one uh, on Wednesday, and somebody who grew up with a math teacher uh, and taught most of my math classes in high school, Coach, I couldn't dream of taking a math class before 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so, so what, what, what was the attentive rate in class this morning from the, the from the bright minds over there at Mulsman High School? Hey, well, so, you know, I, I kind of agree with you, um, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I try to keep it upbeat. So I started I – started, um, tell you guys something you don't, may, might not know about me. I'm kind of famous here at Musselman for my dad jokes. I tell dad jokes uh, <laughs> daily. So um, I started off the class today with a couple dad jokes and got them, got them kind of laughing and, and loosened up a little bit, and that kind of woke them up. And then we did a couple problems and – yeah, now it's been now it's moving on for the rest of the day. <laughs> Again, we're speaking with uh, Musselman head football coach Brian Thomas, two and zero Musselman head football coach Brian Thomas, and we'll let you get. We know you got a busy class schedule, so you, we'll let you get back to work. But coach, thank you for fitting us into your schedule a little bit, and good luck on Friday. Hey, thank you guys. I appreciate all you guys do for 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 the uh, EPAC and for for our school. I appreciate it absolutely. Thank you again, coach. Thank you.
And that's Muscleman head coach Brian Thomas joining us on the line. Dad joke extraordinaire, it seems. <laughs> and uh, I'd never heard of a wet bulb thermometer before. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. And uh, it takes the humidity and the air temperature, and then you just kind of, with math and things, which uh, no wonder uh, Brian Thomas <laughs> is using that, uh, then you take the you can take the lowest like denominator of that, and then you use that as your... High point or something. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't uh, taking very many math classes at seven thirty in the morning. Could you imagine having to run lines for for Coach Thomas? And, you know, missed a blocking assignment, so you're running a mile at nine nine p.m. and then at seven a.m. you got to get up and you got algebra Man. one. I, I mean, can also see him being a really fun teacher. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Well, if you missed any of our conversation with Coach Thomas, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. But we'll get to our bottom of the hour break, and we'll be back with more after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Icewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. We were just chatting with 2-0 Musselman head football coach Brian Thomas ahead of their Matchup at Pony Lewis uh, and Morgantown on Friday against Morgantown High. I'm pretty excited to uh, check that place out for the first time. I've heard countless stories and seen countless pictures and heard everything, all the lore around Pony Lewis Stadium, and I'm excited to uh, finally get up there. And, well, I thought it was interesting, and uh, Luke, you have personal experience, so you can uh, expand on this if you want. It was interesting that Coach Thomas said that Eli, after the Loudoun Valley game, said, oh, this is the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. And trust me, I've seen the crowds that he played in front of in Williamsport, and it ain't even remotely close to <laughs> even a normal, uh, maybe under-attended game um, in the EPAC. So he's going to be going into a game where it's all the eyes in the state are going to be there, all the eyes, especially in Morgantown, are going to be there, and that place is going to be packed up. So do you think that could start to creep into the uh, senior's mind a little bit on Friday? I don't necessarily think so for him. I think well, let me a, ask: Do you think the fans will creep into his mind a little bit on Friday? I don't. He seems like a pretty stoic guy. I don't know. I, it's going to creep into my mind. I know that for sure. I mean, Melsom is going to travel well. Morgantown's going to make a ton of noise. Like you said, eyeballs from around the state are all over this team in this game. But it was last year too, and they right. performed very well. I, I don't know. As far as Fleming is concerned, I, I, I don't know. He seems pretty unflappable. Mm-hmm. What is is Musselman with a sophomore running back going to be flappable without Ray Adamas there? Is the rest of the team? going to be a little bit moved by what's going on in the stands I don't know I I, I, obviously you can only just play the game and see um, but I know Musselman's going to travel well Mm -hmm. because Morgantown did last year and and Musselman wants to return the favor and Morgantown wants to return the favor for that loss last season so it's 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 going to be a, a fantastic game and you know we we tweeted it out from our social pages yesterday or X'd it out or whatever uh, the the Metro Posted News, it. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the Metro News preview for this week. Joe Bricado and Greg Carey both highlighted this match, uh, and obviously the Metro News headquarters are right across the river there in Morgantown. So you know that uh, Big Brother at Corporate is going to be all over trying to you know cover this game, and it's going to draw a lot of attention. But uh, you can hear the radio call right here. Now I think in this matchup we looked and we'd said Eli Fleming having this being one of his big first in state you could call it a rivalry at this point matchups. I don't think it's really much on Fleming. I'm more interested in the chess match between Sean Beiser and Brian Thomas in this matchup. These two guys are, they were looked around as two of the best coaches in the state. 
the series all times at seven and six favoring Musselman. So Morgantown has a chance to even the series all time with a win on Friday. And both these guys are just they're smart coaches. I, I'm really interested to see what type of counterpunch. It's like it's like two high high box office boxers going at it. It's it's gonna be a fun matchup between these two. They're really they're both really smart coaches, both know how to make an adjustment and throw a counterpunch when something's thrown their way. We saw it last year in the matchup. It was a three point win and a combined over around seventy points. I'm I'm really intrigued to see how these two coaches go at one another because it's I think that's that's my big storyline in this mm-hmm. matchup. These two guys know how to coach. They've been in winning programs, they've gone far into the playoffs in multiple occasions. And with a matchup where I think I mark this down right now, I think the winner of this game will host a first round playoff game. Oh yeah. And, yeah. 100%. yeah. 100%. I, the winner of this game is a first round host. So this game has a lot riding on it. It's only week three, but there's so much riding on this matchup for both teams coming into this. Again, we were chatting with Musselman head coach, Brian Thomas, uh, just a few minutes ago. So if you missed that, you can listen back to it on our podcast page. A little bit later on, but switching gears, of course, you can text us, 304-263-4321, and we are your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. 9.38 first pitch tonight, so uh out to the that one. Got, yeah, get, you got to love the another California West Coast, Coast win. But hey, you know what that means? Uh, that means you can listen to High School Sports Line tonight. For That's right. Tonight. There you go. That's right, and then catch the uh, O's game after that. But this has to be, this has to be almost their 10th extra innings win this season they go to 10 innings and win five to four over the angels last night uh, another good game from the o's 13 hits for those five runs Rutschman goes one for three mount castle goes three for five a uh, couple hits scattered all around austin or uh, hicks goes two for five on the day as well winning pitcher for the o's i can't ever say his name right so i'm gonna let you guys say it and then fuji comes in at the end of the game to shut things down on a disgusting pitch to end the game. I don't know if you guys have seen that one yet. Uh, check swing, it was uh, a great pitch. But the Orioles, they keep winning. Uh, 87-51 is where the record's at now to that 5-4 win. Again, 9-38 first pitch tonight. Uh, but the O's, they just can't stop, won't stop, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of things that I liked in this game. You know, two pinch hitters come around to score runs in a game that you had to use a lot of pieces. Last thing you want in a game that's going to extras is your starter to not make it through the fifth. Mm-hmm. But Kremer gets knocked out then. And then, I mean, Columbia struggled. He gave up two runs out of the pen. But outside of that, you know, D.L. Hull has been moved to the back of the bullpen. We're starting to see uh, Krebel play a little bit more than we've had in, in recent games. So they're starting to piece together that bullpen for the back end of the season, um, especially without Batista. Uh, and it finished with Fujinami coming in and, and doing a very good job. I mean, he's going to be asked to pitch the eighth in the postseason. He's going to be asked to get saves throughout the remainder of this season uh, between him and Cano in, in the games that they're playing, especially in these these high-profile West Coast trips. When the Orioles took their previous West Coast trip, I mean, it, things were getting kind of out of hand so much that we were saying, just get back to 500 right. and come home. But now they're out you know, on the warpath, and, and they've done a fantastic job of taking these games building that lead back up to three and a half games in the American League East. And their magic number, um, I didn't have it written down before we came on the show, but it's just over 10 Mm -hmm. to make the postseason and not that far behind uh, to clench the division uh, because of the stellar play that they're getting from top to bottom in their lineup. And they're a number one seed right now to the American League. So if they're able to hold on and get clinch home field throughout the American League playoffs, which speaking of that, that whole field has shaken up in the past about week or two weeks. Seattle is now the number two seed, if it gives you any indication. They weren't even in the playoffs about a month ago. Now they're a number two seed in the American League. It's, It's going to be a fun 
ride towards the end of the season for Baltimore if they're able to keep the pieces together. And again, we talk about the future. Jackson Holiday got recently called up to AAA, got his first AAA hit last night for Norfolk, too. Yeah, and he had to like sneak in to the ballpark or something. I didn't read the article, but I saw a bit of it where apparently people were hounding him for autographs. They had to sneak him into the ballpark. Really? <laughs> yeah, for the what? 15-year-old, however old he is, 10-year-old. He's, he's going to be a star. I'm I'm interested to see when that call-up is going to happen for him. I'd say earliest, I'd say late next year if the O's are in a really good playoff spot. Yeah. I'd say late next year is probably realistic for Jackson. But the lineup right now, they're producing. Austin Hayes gets a hit, two hits in this game for Aaron Hicks as well, who's back into that lineup. There's a lot of solid pieces, and the ability to get a gritty win against an Angels team that have had their own collapse in this season is really telling because we've talked about these West Coast trips. That last one about a month or so ago for the O's was kind of up and down for them. If they're able to close out that series today against the Angels, if they're able to get that win, it gets them yet again another step closer to hosting and having home field in the American League playoffs, which I think is going to be really important because we look over in the National League, who's our big favorites over that way? Atlanta's look like world beaters at points this year. The Dodgers have had a really good year. And other than that, I think it's kind of a mixed bag over in the over in that in the central and into the wild card spots. If the I think if the O's are able to come out of this American League, they got a really good shot, I think, to take home the World Series championship. Whoa. I really do. It's, without the, Bautista? Yeah, I, don't I don't think it's possible. I, I think they're a starter and a reliever yeah, away from that. Agreed. But they had the opportunity to do that, and the deadline didn't do it. By the way, the magic number for them to clinch the division is 21. 21. And who'd have thought, looking at this, that the Orioles would only be three and a half games behind the Braves for having the best record in baseball? That's great. And who'd the Braves, and, and we didn't get, we haven't talked as much baseball in the last couple of weeks. The Braves have turned into the, one of the biggest juggernauts I've seen in the last couple they're of years. Good. Top to bottom, they're so good. It's gross. I mean, it, it, it's it's unbelievable offensively. I don't know how you pitch to that. I don't know how you expect to win a seven-game series knowing that those guys are going to get 30 at-bats apiece. No. I think I saw a stat on the Braves that's like five guys have as many home runs or more home runs in like almost a third of the league in total or something like that between a, what Acuna, mm-hmm. Sean Murphy, and the like are just hitting the ball out and they're all bees is another guy in the middle infield and this team just lost Dansby Swanson too and act like it didn't even yeah, well they, they discarded him. Freddie Freeman and pick up Matt Olson and don't skip a beat yeah it's crazy yeah. well I'll finally give up the uh Nats wild card <laughs> ghost after their sixth straight loss last night getting pumped by the Mets uh that puts them out of the wild card I think finally so well, yeah, like unfortunately, I, like I've said, I mean, when you're a team that's not very good talent wise, if you can give your team, they need three pitchers. Yeah, they need their, they need to get rid of the whole backside of the rotation. Get three as long guys as they in keep there. Patrick and Corbin, I think we're fine. No, they <laughs> got to get rid of that guy. I'll, I'll ride with Park but on that one. If yeah. you give multiple moments throughout the season where your fans have a chance to cheer, especially one in September oh, or, yeah. or August, yeah, 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 then you're having a good season. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, you're not where you want to be, so you still get a high draft pick, and your fans were paying attention to meaningful baseball in August. That's about as perfect of a season as they could have had. Yeah, I mean, I was going to watch the games anyways, but it was nice to watch the games and actually watch some wins and some yeah, good absolutely. ball every once And the fact while. that they've grown and shown hope this early into the rebuild, I think is really promising for this team. We've mentioned what Dylan Dylan Cruz could be a face of this franchise. If he could he, be up next year. He's already yeah. the face of the franchise. Yeah, he <laughs> could be. Mean? Really, I mean, you look at that lineup. Yeah. If the pieces he keep... He could be the, up right now. Yeah, he really could be. You got 
Josiah Gray, who the rotation is going to be built around. Keeper Ruiz, who I think is a is in that top third of catchers in baseball right now. You could make that argument. And then pieces like C.J. Abrams, who really came on towards the second half of the year. You keep building James Woods, another guy in, yep. the, in the minor leagues yep. who's going to be a big-time power hitter and a DH for this team. There's a lot of hope and optimism for Nats fans. And I, I know I've been saying that on the show all throughout the summer and especially in the tail end of the year. There's a lot of optimism for this team. Give it a couple years. I think this is, and especially in a National League East right now, you look at it, the Mets went all in and it crumbled. They're (laughs) going to be in a rebuild for probably a decade after what happened. And outside of there, the Braves, I think, will still be consistent. The Marlins, can they consistently keep up with this? I think they're a team that's maybe an every other year contender for a playoff spot and not like that. And then you got the Phillies, which we don't know what happens with the Phillies every single year. Either they make the World Series or they underperform and miss the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's no in-between for that team. So for Nats fans, stay optimistic. There's a lot of hope on that team, a lot of young talent. And I personally am excited to see what's next for the Nationals. We can always get in touch with us. You can text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll step aside one final time. We'll come back in Parker's picks and start to wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Icewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. So we took the shot for Mookie Betts for Dinger Tuesday. Sadly, unable to get one. Was not the best day at the plate for Mookie Betts to be honest but I believe the Dodgers were still able to pick up the win in that matchup against Miami but our two bonus picks did hit was a thriller of a game last night if you guys were able to check it out Chicago and San Francisco my one of my guys Christopher Morrell hit a big three-run shot to put the Cubs up against San Francisco late in that game and they were able to hold on 11 to 8 the final in that one Really excited for Chicago. I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs. It's been one of those cool stories, I think, has been the Cubs this year if they're able to get back in after what seemed like a rebuild and an offload for them a couple years ago. Might I remind you, they traded Javi Baez and got a top 10 prospect and Pete Crow Armstrong that's probably going to be up next year. And, and once again, proves the Mat- the Mets have just been fleeced in the in the past couple of years, and they've set themselves back sur- horrendously at this rate. And then the O's got the win over the Angels last night in extra innings and I got that wrong actually the Marlins ended up beating the Dodgers last night six to three so picks for today I am riding with the red hot Seattle Mariners as today's lock of the day again I mentioned they're the two seed right now in the American League they get the win over the Reds I think for Cincinnati's case they had a nice little run with the Ellie De La Cruz call up and everything but now things are starting to calm a little bit back down I've got Seattle getting the win on the road Logan Gilbert's pitching too he's had a really great year for Seattle's their number two pitcher I think they're able to get the win today over the Reds. I'm going with the O's once again to get the win over the Angels again. I just think the Angels are in a spot right now where it's panic mode. They're worried more about retaining Shohei Otani than winning games at this point. And I got the O's getting the win against, a, I think right now, a Shohei Otani and Mike Troutless Angels team that isn't very good. Bad. 
and they, yeah, they're bad. They're they're not good without either of those guys in the lineup. Their best player is Anthony Rendon, and he can't even stay on the field. And for, he's telling reporters he can't speak English anymore. Yeah, just all of a sudden. <laughs> so yeah, and if that if that doesn't state the state of the Los Angeles Angels, that does right there. And I think the Orioles getting the win over them. And then I got the Rays getting the win over the over the Red Sox. Tower Glass now. I I'm confident in him getting the win at home against Boston. The Red Sox are out of the playoff picture right now. And with Tyler Glass, no, he's their number two. Well, I guess he's ascended to their number one with the injury to Shane McClanahan. But I think he handles business at home against Boston today. So Seattle with the win, Baltimore with the win, and I got Tampa with the win to keep up with a very competitive top three in the American League. Now, I wanted to play this real quick because I thought this was a, uh, a funny storyline that's come out out of that Duke win over Clemson because, of course, nobody was really expecting that. Duke gets the big win at home. Uh, you know how the story goes here. And a video came out after the game of the quarterback for the Blue Devils saying uh, to one of his professors, like, look, I, I didn't have time to get my assignment in. Can you extend the assignment uh, deadline for me? And, well, the uh, professor has responded. Professor Taylor, if you're seeing this, please... Let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight. I think it's 12, so it may already be 12. Hey, Riley, great game last night, man. It was so exciting. Congratulations to you and all your teammates. But, you know, Wesley Williams and the other linemen who were in the class, they said they prepared ahead and did it ahead of time, so why didn't the quarterback? So no way, man. No extension. <laughs> so count that as a win for the academics out there because uh, I feel like that's student always. Athlete. Yep, student, student comes, comes first. first. That's right. Student comes first. And go figure, it's the quarterback uh, that is revolving around that. But I thought that was a, a subtle little win for the academics out there because um, the storyline's always been that the quarterback gets special treatment, but not at Duke. Although, I would be curious to see if the point guard of the basketball team said the same thing, if the professor would be cool about that. That was a fantastic You know question. what I'm saying? Basketball uh, moves a little, the needle a little bit different than uh, Duke does, but I thought that was a, uh, a funny little storyline to come out of that win. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, – that was funny. I saw that last night. But happy for Duke, too, as that's a program where they've had their struggles. They've had up-and-down moments, of course, with Dave Cutliffe, Cutcliffe as head coach throughout the 2010s decade you guys remember that bowl game that duke played that duke played a bowl game against johnny manziel in texas and mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys remember that or not but hmm. that that was the last time i remember duke football being somewhat relevant and now with a big win against a top 10 program and i know we chastised clemson on the show yesterday but i i don't know after looking at that win or for duke anyway I maybe am not fully writing off Clemson. I'm writing them off as a playoff contender, 100%. But a team that could finish in the top 15, I'm not writing that off either because counted maybe first game hiccups for this team or whatever happened because they, they Clemson should have won that game, guys. They they fumbled twice at the goal line and missed two field goals. Clemson Clemson lost that game more than anything else. Duke was able to capitalize on the mistakes from Clemson, but Clemson overall. They, they just didn't execute good on offense, and that's what cost you, the game. You know, it's funny you bring up that story about the, the, the kid in class, and I guess the statute of limitations have passed, so I can go ahead and tell the story. Uh -oh. my, my sophomore year of college, and I won't say what athlete off of what team, uh, was doing a presentation in a class and put the slideshow up on the board. whole class is looking at it, and the very first thing on the very first slide says, hey, so-and-so. If you copy and paste what I have below this, you should be oh, fine for class. Oh, no, we didn't take the... Oh, no. 
and we're just oh man Yikes. this guy and he, he tried guy. he tried to play it off and it uh, mm. didn't work out for him so it's, no. it's it's easier don't do the crime if you can't do the time kids right. just do your homework and it's tough too when your lineman got your <laughs> got their or their assignment in from the same class on time and I'd you like don't. to think that there was like a solidarity pledge between the guys and they're like we're all gonna wait to turn this in right and then the guy it's like wait bro what, what the heck uh, well, uh, I wanted to take a look at, to the D1 Top 25. Uh, looking mm-hmm. at the D2 one, of course, we talked about this yesterday, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about uh, Shepard, PSAC, and uh, what week one around D2 football looked like a little bit uh, more tomorrow morning. But uh, Colorado, they sneak in at 22 on the uh, AP Top 25. Um, how are we feeling? I mean, are people going too too far in on Colorado right now? I mean, I mean, you go unranked to twenty two. I mean, yes, they beat TCU. Yes, they were in the national championship game last year. But this is certainly not the same TCU team. You had to rank TCU because of who they were, and so now you have to rank Colorado because, because of who them. they beat TCU. Yeah. Like you, you've kind of forced your hand. Don't get me. I mean, college football loves this. Not that I'm implying that the AP poll is rigged, mm-hmm. because <laughs> if Colorado falls apart in the second half of the season, which is a possibility, although I don't think so. You know, all of a sudden, Hunter can't play both ways. Sanders gets hurt or he gets exposed. You need to get the most out of Colorado while they're still relevant. And so ranking them helps that exponentially. They could get college game day uh, in the next three weeks because of the way they've started their season, even if they finish the year six and six. You know, it's kind of like that 2012 on Metro News. They like to refer to it as the Geno Smith September Heisman. You know, like when you get off to a really good start. Uh, and just build off of that momentum. I mean, the rest of the top 25, there is an AP voter um, that still had TCU. There's several AP voters that still have TCU ranked, yeah. which I think is just beyond absurd. But outside of that, I don't I don't really have any disagreements. Utah keeps climbing. Like Parker said yesterday, they're going to be a fun addition to the conference. Uh, you know, Texas, and it really becomes the last hope for the Big 12. Because I said yesterday, I don't think the Big 12 is going to have a top eight team. And if it's not Texas, I don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting <laughs> movement. I saw on the coaches' poll, they still rank Clemson ahead of Duke, which I thought was hilarious in that matchup. Some of the big climbers in the poll I'm looking at, North Carolina goes up four spots after a really good win over a South Carolina team that had their struggles. Oregon State, I'm really excited to see what the Beavers do this year, especially they're auditioning to try and get into a conference and get out of the whatever will remain in the Pac-12, which, funny enough, Pac-12 goes perfect. All, every Pac-12 team won over the weekend in the conference's swan song year. And, and, of, and <laughs> the Imagine big con- if we have a Pac-12 national champion, USC, and then the Pac-12 is no more. Well, USC's got to play defense to win a national no. championship, and they, they can't do that for the life of them. And I, I mean, LSU I, didn't. Well, they had Derek Stingley. You know what I mean. Yeah. Well, Florida State climbs up four to number four as well. I'm telling you guys, I'm high on the Knolls this year. I would say that I would not be a fan of the college football playoff if today it was Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Florida State. Bring the BCS back. If this is this, don't poke the hornet's nest this If late this the top show. four isn't as blue blood as it gets, I, this is as close as possible. It, Ohio State, USC, and Penn State in five, six, and seven. It's This is as pretty blue blood historical as it gets as a top seven teams in week two but a lot of fun going on that uh colorado and nebraska matchup should be fun dion against matt rule oh, yeah. lots of fun going on well that just about does it for us for today real quick luke let people know about soccer this afternoon yeah again check our social media we'll be tweeting out the link live stream link for the game that's going to kick off at 5 30 today between shepherd and frostburg state you're not going to want to miss our first ever soccer broadcast if you missed any of the show today listen back to it a little bit later on on our panhandle news network facebook and spotify page we caught up with Musselman head coach Brian Thomas looking back at their win against Loudoun Valley last week and ahead at their huge matchup, which is also our Panhandle News Network Sports Game of the Week, as they head to Morgantown to take on the Mohegan. So 
listen back to that a little bit later on today for parker and luke i'm jordan panhandle live is next have a great one stay cool out there and we will talk to you tomorrow WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.